Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet. As always, the Avalanche take the series lead over the Seattle Kraken. They spoil Seattle's playoff opener with a 6-4 to win, and the big boys came to play for the Avs. Nathan McKinnon on the board in this series with two goals. Miko Ranston, two goals and three points. Kale McCarr, a goal and an assist. I mean... Pretty short way to summarize this game. The Kraken do not have an answer for those guys. It's exactly what we said in the preview episode is if Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Mika Ranton take over in a game, the Kraken just don't have anyone that can match it. They just flat out don't. And this game was closer than it probably should have been because the abs really dominated a majority of this game. And if it wasn't for like two minutes of bad play, this could have easily been like five to one, five to two finish. But by far, the best game the Avs have played so far in the series, by far. Not even close. I mean, com- in terms of a complete game, it's not a competition. Game one, did they didn't even really start. And in game two, played very well the last 40 minutes. First 20 was abysmal. And while maybe the start wasn't perfect the first 10 minutes of the game, pretty much after that, the towards the tail end of the first period, the Avs turn it on. Then there's the that little stretch in the second period where things started going against them again. But outside of those, the Avs just played a really solid game. This is the Avs team that we've been waiting for for the first two games of this series. And when you get the big boys playing like that, I'm sorry, Seattle, but you're you're drowning out there against them. There's just no answer. When Nathan McKinnon's doing that on his second goal and the fifth goal of the night for the team, like what? do you do about that what just go back to the bench let him score and try again next shift like that that's disrespectful it was it was just a dominant performance from the abs top players and i really like this is like you said what we've been waiting to see it's really what we've been waiting to see from the abs and in the last five periods it's like okay the abs are finally awake and ready for playoff hockey and the kraken are still a good team uh, they they fight tooth and nail, but the Avs' talent will just take over eventually, and that's what, exactly what happened in this game. Yeah, I mean, you, you can hold Nathan McKinnon off for one game, maybe two, like the Kraken did through the first two games. A whole playoff series, though, like that's, that's just not going to happen. He can do things that other people in this league, other people on Earth, simply cannot do, least of all things that people on the Kraken just can't do. No one on the Kraken's doing anything close to that. No, and it's they made them look like not a playoff team. <laughs> like the way that McKinnon and McCarr and Ranston were playing out there, it made it look like they were playing against practice dummies for like that entire third period. Um, but overall, like I really think the abs have found something like they found what works in the series. And when Grubauer is not bailing out the Kraken, like he did tonight, what was the save percentage of being like barely 900, if not below 900, oh, it was way below 900. It was an 848. Yeah. Like that's the Philip Grubauer we were expecting to see. And 
the best part is is the Avs still were missing a ton of chances in this game. Like I feel like they they missed the net like on three or four prime opportunities. Yeah, the the Avs could have very much put this game away and potentially even won like six to one by the end of the night. Still feel like they haven't played their best hockey to this point. Far from it. Still a lot of breakdowns and. I feel like it being six to four makes the game seem a lot closer and that it was a, a barn burner. Maybe like in the second period it was, but the third period, this was the defending champs and some of the best players on earth going up against an outmatched team. Yeah. I wonder what would like, again, I would just love to be a fly on the wall in the abs locker room when they go down or when it's tied three, three going into the second period and Nathan McKinnon and make ranch. And I'm like, okay, you ready? Yeah, yeah, let's fucking do this because that's exactly what happened. And I think my like favorite part of this game was just how like even Nathan McKinnon blocking shots, dude. Like he blocked a shot. I think Miko dove in the defensive end a couple times. Like they, the top players are showing they want to win this game, so everyone else in line is going to follow too. Yeah, and you go to the late part of the game. The Abs are up six to three. You have the empty net goal from Rantanen. And the Kraken, they're, they're going out there and they're taking some liberties on some guys. And Nathan McKinnon's out there with a minute left, and he's hunting people down and letting people know that that, that shit's not going to fly. Not to, my, not to my team, not on my ice. And they give him a penalty for it, and the Kraken get a, just a dinky, stupid goal on it. But you, you love to see that from McKinnon, just to let him know, is like, you're not doing that. No. It was very funny because he didn't – he like – went out of his way to try to reverse hit Sprong. Like he could easily got the puck out and he goes out of his way to reverse hit Sprong. Sprong takes the hit and then McKinnon's like, nope, still not done with you. I'm still going to come down and cross check you. Like, I'm trying to think what he was mad about. Was it that hit on EJ in the corner that sent him into the boards? Was it? That was, that was Yanni Gord who did that, but there was some other shit that Sprong was doing and other guys were doing. It's just sending a message to to everyone. Like, I don't care that we're winning six to three. You don't get to to disrespect us like this and try to, to hunt us down because you're not good enough. Nathan McKinn's never taken that kind of shit from anybody. No, he never has. I mean, just look at the... Um... Connor Garland, uh, that fight he had in Arizona. A lot of this is with the Arizona Coyotes, which is weird. But um, yeah, he's not afraid of anyone. Uh, look what he did to Matt Dumbo last year. Like that was hilarious. Um, so Nathan McKinnon takes no liberties, and like you said, sent a message like, "Hey, don't fuck with us. Like we're we're gonna fight back." <laughs> yeah, and you love to see that from your big guys. And in this game, they needed it from their big guys. They they hadn't got it for most of the series. And Val Nachushkin did not play in this game, which no one expected. We just found out it's for personal reasons. We hope everything is okay. We're not going to speculate on what's going on. We're just simply going to hope that everyone's okay and and he'll be back sooner than later. He's not with the team. I doubt he'll play in game four, but there's no Val in this game who's been a massive part of the machine for the Avs in the playoffs last year and had a great game in game two. You needed your big guys to not only show up, you needed them to dominate, and they absolutely, absolutely did that. They did, and here's the thing. If Val's out for a significant amount of time, which whatever's going on, he needs to take whatever time. If Val Nachushkin's not back in this playoff run, you can just kind of write it. Like, the Avs aren't going to win the cup without Val Nachushkin. <laughs> no, no Landeskog and no Val for your, your left wing. Like, that's... Like it's like I said about Victor Hedman with the lightning. Like there's only so much you can do. Like you can get out of this series without Val. 
maybe just maybe you can get out of that second round series against Minnesota or Dallas. If you're missed those guys, a real deep playoff run though. Like that's just, you're going to need to find a level that's going to take it out of this team. Like if they genuinely do win the cup without those guys this year, they might miss the playoffs entirely next year with just how battered they'll be by the end of it. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Like for the abs to win a cup without Val and Landy, you'd need McKinnon and Ranson to have three points every night. (laughs) And Gail McCard have two. Like that's the only way. Um, But we're hoping the best for Val. Hopefully uh, everything's okay. And he can be back uh, back with the team later on in the series. But he wasn't the only one missing. Darren Helm doesn't play uh, that one. I, I just, at some point, I think we just need to accept the fact that when Darren Helm's out there, he's going to be great. But more than likely, he's not going to last more than two games. Like, he's obviously not 100%. And every time he plays, it puts him farther back from being 100%. And that's been that story all year. Yeah, it's just been a rough road for Darren Helm this year. You you have to imagine this is probably it for him after this season, unfortunately. Just he's been rehabbing all year. He won the cup last year with the team. And when he's been in the lineup, he's he's been great. He's been a, a fantastic contributor in the depth. But again, there's only so much your body can take at a certain point. If you're playing one game and immediately right back out of the lineup again, is it going to be the same story later in the series? If he's even back at all in this series, it's it's got to be very frustrating for him. But Andrew Cogliano comes back in this game as well. A big boost for the Avs depth as well. Wasn't a super notable night, but again, still thought he was very solid defensively. Played just a little above eight minutes. No way he's 100%, but no, no chance. Like no one, no way anybody is at this point of the season and already in the playoffs. I mean, after the the fall he took into the boards, but considering it all, I still thought he played pretty well. I mean, considering where we were with the depth after game one, the fact that they're doing anything, I am more than happy to take that. The depth actually had a couple chances tonight. Yeah, like they they definitely did, and they came to life, which is what you need. Obviously, like Cogliano, just I think he's just like a. Uh, energizer bunny because he just plays the game so hard that when he's in the lineup, you're just like, okay, we, we got our buzz. Like, you know, when he scores a goal in these playoffs, the apps are just going to come out and just fucking unload on a, the next shift because that energy boost from him is going to be ridiculous. Um, so getting him back, but yeah, I mean, he literally like probably broke his collarbone or he's probably playing with a separated shoulder and he's just out there because he's probably, a fucking warrior. Probably just being held together by like duct tape and glue. Yeah his pads but the guy doesn't feel a lot of pain so it's fine anyway he's just one of the most respected players in the end they should do like he should donate his body to science when he passes away and just see what will will andrew cogliano ever die that's what i'm saying man like is he like is he like does he have like some super healing power because for him to play the way he plays and to just never get fucking hurt is his body has to be bionic like it's just there's got to be something in him that is above what normal humans can do because holy shit, that dude can take a fucking punishment and just play through it. Or his pain tolerance is just higher than most I wanna, people. I want to give it a couple of decades and see if Cogliano actually like ages or anything. Like, no, he's going to look that the same way he does right now when he's like 80. And you're exactly. going to be like, this dude's that's fucking that's 80. Like, we're we're going to be in our wheelchairs on our dying breaths, and we're just going to see Andrew Cogliano like waving towels at abs games. Still running marathons at 80 years old. Crazy shit like that. 
So how 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 come he's able to do that? How is he still able to move like he's he's in his twenties? Like so great to see Cogliano back. A big boost for the Avs depth. One of the most respected players in the NHL, and you know you know the guys love to just have him on the ice and everything. But let's rewind. Let's go back to the beginning of this game. First playoff game in Seattle Kraken history. You know they're going to get that early boost. Avs did not start great. They have not started great in really any game this series. And the Kraken, they get the energy early. They're out shooting them early. Jaden Schwartz deflects a Justin Schultz shot for the first home goal in Kraken history. But I got to be honest, I, re- I really wasn't super worried at this point because I still like the Avs legs. This was very different from the first two games where they were just getting outworked. The Kraken just had a big boost early from their first home game and everything. You had the penalty from Ben Myers early on, completely necessary penalty. Had to take it. Yeah. And I again, the penalty kill in this series has been phenomenal. I love the way the penalty kill looked, but the Kraken just had too much energy to be stopped early on. Yeah, I mean, I, I forget what Rycroft said on the broadcast today, but it was like all of the Kraken's goals in the series have come in the first like seven minutes of periods and they haven't scored any other time. So really the Av strategy, if you could shut the Kraken down for the first seven minutes of a period, you're looking pretty fucking solid. <laughs> I guess that was proven until uh, late in the second period when they scored both those goals. So retract everything I just said. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to wait for you to figure that one out. Even though you get the you get the Jaden Schwartz goal. And after this, I I thought the Avs were were playing decently. It was still far from perfect. They had a couple of looks on the power play. Special teams in this series has just been so bizarre. And no more bizarre than the fact that shorthanded goals are outscoring power play goals right now in this series. JT Comfer with a massive goal to get the Avs on the board, shorthanded, set up by Kale McCarr his first of the playoffs. And uh, because for some reason, True TV decided to just change back to their regularly scheduled programming without warning, I didn't get to see it live. So I just had to... Was it Impractical Jokers at least? Oh, it was Impractical Jokers. Okay, Joker. good. All so right. I was wondering why I was looking up from commercial break and uh, saw Sal uh, just messing with people. I was like, what is, what, what is going on here? So I was like, oh, <laughs> they, they switched back to TBS without saying anything. So I missed that. That's awesome. Thank you, TNT. I really appreciate it. But huge goal for JT Comfer shorthanded because th- like this could have gotten out of hand a little bit if you really start letting that Kraken crowd into the game. This was a big one to to silence them and get the momentum back in the Avs' favor. Big time goal. Shout out to the Kraken player for tripping on the on the red line uh, because that really sprung the play. And if there's one thing like. If the Avs get another breakaway, Grubauer is biting on the first deke every time. He is just way out of position. So JT Comfort makes a deke, gets him out. I I thought he was going to miss. I really did because it looked like the puck was going to slide wide. It goes into the net. Uh, huge shorthanded goal. Just flipped all the momentum in, in this game. That's all JT Comfort does is just score huge goals. You go, you go through JT Comfer's entire career, like 90% of his goals are just game changers. You go back, you go to the playoffs too. The guy does not score small, unimportant goals. They're no. all huge. Yeah, they're all huge. And that play by Kel McCarr too to recognize that, hey, we got a chance here. Like, let's let's go for it. And 
gets that pass to JT and it was just a, a beautiful goal to tie it at one and really got the abs going. Like after this, I thought the abs dominated for the next 25 minutes of the game. Like this completely changed the momentum of the game. And it helps too, when you have a guy like Nathan McKinnon who can just turn on the jets, like he does, he gets one look, you get one bounce his way. He hits 23 miles an hour on this goal burns past everyone on the Kraken and roofs it over Philip Grubauer with just almost no time left in the first period to give the Avs their first lead of the game and huge to go to the locker room for the first period of Kraken playoff hockey with the lead. Yeah. I mean, it was, I'm worried for the fact that when I stopped just automatically assuming that every Nathan McKinnon breakaway is going to be a goal. Like I was already typing out the tweet that he was going to score once he was at the red line. I was like, okay, this is Grubauer is not stopping this. It's again, like, what do you do in this situation? You see Nathan McKinnon with that head of ice, you know, he hasn't scored yet in these playoffs. Like what is your plan? What are you going to do about this? Do you just save your dignity and, and get out of the net or try to make a save? Like it's just, when he's playing like that, when he's playing like he did in this game, how do you stop him? You don't. You don't. You just, <laughs> yeah. don't. You just don't. Um, and it, it was weird because like the first periods in this series have been so bad that to have a lead was like, what, what's going on here? Like this is, this is unfamiliar territory for me. And it was a, a welcome sign to say the least, not to be like super pissed off going into the first intermission. Yeah, it finally had some momentum coming out of the first period after the abysmal first periods that the Avs have had so far in this series. But it felt like they were in great control. They come out again in the second period, still burning hot. And Kale McCarr just absolutely rifles one past Philip Grubauer. Again, disgusting slap shot. Alex Newhook wins the faceoff right to Kale. This this was obviously Kale's best game of the series outside of just the goal. He's dancing all over the ice, but like this is just a disgusting slap shot. It was so beautiful. And I think something that we we didn't expect in this series is the Abs are winning a lot of faceoffs, which is uncommon for this team because they have usually just been so bad in the faceoff circle. Like our center iceman Nathan McKinnon is so bad at faceoffs. They had a winger in Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Ranson and taking faceoffs. Like that that's that's how bad we are at faceoffs. And we've been controlling the faceoff circle, which is again unfamiliar territory for me. I'm just so used to the abs losing a faceoff and then having to go forecheck to get the puck and get a get a chance on net. But Newhook wins this one and McCarr wastes no time. Like that was that puck, he hit he shot that puck so hard that it bounced out of the net faster than I think it went in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I for a second was like, wait, did that go in? Like, or did that hit the post? Because it came out so fast. Yeah, it's the kind of shot where I think Grubauer is kind of thankful he didn't get anything on it because like that's a shot that could break your hand if you're. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the mile per hours were. I, I just don't know if you can ever trust Rycroft because he always says oh, that's a hundred mile per hour slap shot. I'm like, was it really? Like, I don't. I just don't know if it was a hundred mile probably, per hour slap shot. Probably too fast for anyone to track it at that point. Yeah, probably. But that was like my favorite thing was Kale McCarr coming out of college. They always said that he had a bad slap shot and uh, his slap shot has been lethal in his NHL career. Like He is when he gets he, all of it. He's yeah. that thing's going in. You're not stopping it. And Grubauer stood no chance against that one. And then all of a sudden the after up three one and. You're thinking everything's going great. We're feeling good. Feeling Vibes good. are high. Because even um, still after this goal, like they were still playing really well. 
They were still dominating play. You're getting a couple of saves from Philip Grubauer, but the Kraken did not have a lot even after this Kale McCarr goal. So you're feeling good. You're feeling like, okay, we figured it out. We've got the, we've got the Kraken all figured out. We're a road team. We're silencing that crowd in their first home game. Surely nothing's going to go wrong here. No, they- I'm this was like, it's the most cliche thing in hockey, but if they could have made this one, the three goal lead, this game would have been over. Uh, Bo Byram, who he must've like gotten cursed by like a witch or something, because that dude just can, has no luck in the playoffs. I think the puck hopped over his stick twice. He fans on that shot that Lekkonen almost tips in. Like, I don't know what Bo Byram did to not be able to score a playoff goal, but I'm still adamant he's going to score in the next game. He's but. so close. I, we've said in like every playoff game that oh. he's going to score in the next game, like dating back to the Edmonton series. But he's so close. The ones he does get all all of it on, Grubauer's there to make the save. He's fanning on a couple. Like he's so close. When he does finally get one, it's going to go through the net. Yeah. He's just going to rage one all the way. And also... <laughs> A uh, very, very funny fact. Uh, Alex Newhook, with his assist on the Kale McCarr goal, passed Matt Duchesne in the playoff points leaderboard. It's just so funny that Matt Duchesne just like randomly catches strays a lot of the time in games he's not even involved in, but I thought that was very funny. I'm still bitter about the fact that uh, in that 2013-2014 season, Duchesne, yeah, Duchesne was having a great year, and then he went knee-to-knee with P.A. Parento, I believe like six games before the playoffs missed the first six games or five games of that series. Like that dude just had no luck when he was in Colorado. And like you said, he, he's always going to catch strays here. Just always like it, it, it's, I don't envy him because well, I mean, he, he, makes, he makes a lot of money. Yeah. Like he, he's okay. Like he lives in Nashville, which is fine. But like how weird of a feeling do you think that is for him to know that like, I was, I'm like partially the reason why this team is where they are now because I, I demanded the, a trade. I am the nexus event for the Avalanche. Yeah. Powerhouse. The moment I got traded, this team turned into a juggernaut. I'm sure he feels great about that and cries into his $8 million contract. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, how much does that, like, he was loved here. I mean, I fucking named my dog after him. Um, and he, he demands a trade and it literally is the turning point for the abs becoming the powerhouse that they are. So kind of funny that new hook passes him and new hook did it in like seven games is what it feels like he's played in. So game that he really wasn't even good in. Yeah. Oh, he was bad in this game. He was bad as, as evident by his ice time. So, um, yeah, that is funny that, uh, Matt Duchesne's still catching straights like Avs stats knew what they were doing there. They knew what they were doing when they tweeted that one out. I just love it. It's just, it's just always so funny a lot of time with all the Matt Duchesne shit. But getting back to the game, the Avs are playing really well through the second period. And then all of a sudden, for 17 seconds, they didn't. You get Miko Ranston just, I don't really know what he was doing on this play. with. Oh, Jake. he got undressed. He got undressed. I don't even know if he got undressed because it was just kind of a, a half-hearted poke check. And Alexiak just put it on his backhand as professional players do and roofed it over Georgiev. It's a one goal game. You're like, okay, they got one, you know, it's not that big a deal. You're still in the lead and Oh my God, Alex, what are you doing? And mm-hmm. Matty Beneers ties it 17 seconds later. And you're like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. We have played so well for the last 20 minutes. We have dominated this period. 
And now the whole building's rocking. Matty Beneers with his first playoff goal. It's 3-3. And you're just like, you got to slow this down right now. Because you know that if you can't stop this, this is going to get out of hand fast. Yeah, I really like, I literally put my head down and I was looking at Twitter and because the reporters are there, they were a little bit ahead of me. And I was like, there's no fucking way they're tweeting this out. It's 3-3. Like it's literally is 3-2 right I now. Have the exact same problem because like at least you're on altitude. So you're not that behind. I'm a solid like minute behind every broadcast. Oh. So I'm tweeting out like that Ranson got walked on that goal. I hit tweet and it's it's always Arif that, that spoils everything for me. See me, it's I, Evan. Yeah, it's not his fault, but it's always Arif who gets it out for me first. And I'm like, there's no fucking way they just tied this game. Yeah. I get so many goals spoiled once the playoffs start because I can't watch on altitude anymore. So I just have to put my phone down entirely. And it doesn't help when it's on TNT because usually Peter's like a good minute delay on on his tweets and everything. So I have his notifications on. I'd stop that for today because I was yeah, getting good call to him. So it wasn't until the third period that I was actually able to like experience the game myself. Yeah. But even still, there was, I was like, there's no way like that he misclicked. That was a, yeah. a typed tweet. Are you the same way as me? Because I'll do this. I'll catch myself doing this sometimes when I know that like I'm a little bit behind, I will check Twitter just to see if like, if anything crazy happens. And then sometimes I'll even check the NHL app just to see, cause I know I'm behind and it, it's torture because it's like, why do I want to spoil it, this? For it me? depends. Like if, if it's working. Like if I'm getting all the goals spoiled, but it's good for the Avs, I'm like, wouldn't hurt to refresh one. Yeah, right. But that I, I find myself doing that all the time, and I'm like, dude, just watch the fucking game. Like you're ruining it for yourself. <laughs> you yeah, it know? genuinely does ruin it. But yeah, like like sometimes you're just like, maybe I just I, I have to check. I, like, need, I need a minute of stress free hockey. I need to yeah. know. Even if I refresh it and nothing comes up, nothing is happening for the next minute. I need to like fill up my water or something. Yeah. That, that's where I am too. I'm glad I'm not by myself like that because I, I catch myself doing that all the time. And I'm like, Jesus, fuck, man. Like, just chill out, bro. Just watch the fucking game at your own pace. Like, you don't need to have it spoiled for you. But yeah, I mean, in the span of a minute, the abs were dominating this game. And then all of a sudden it's 3-3 and you're like, all right, well, I guess we got to figure this the fuck out. Yeah, the the whole building was rocking all the, all the momentums back in Seattle's corner. But credit to the abs, they, they were able to weather this. And they were still able to finish the second period. I thought pretty decently strong. They took they took that too many men on the ice penalty, which I just thought was ridiculous. Like that it was a makeup call. It was, it was a flagrantly not too many men on the ice. Probably a makeup call for the Kale McCarr thing. I never saw a replay of the Kale McCarr thing, so I didn't really. I can't really say if it was tripping or not because it happened very fast. But that's just my interpretation: is that it was a makeup call for that because he, it wasn't. It was a made-up penalty. He was not on the ice. They was no. they just wanted to give that one back. They wanted to give that one back, and I was shitting my britches a little bit when that happened. I was like, okay, well, good thing. Good news is, is it's not Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl power play out there. So good thing good. it's the Seattle power play, yeah. which kind of sucks. So yeah. if we kind of sucks, if we took six penalties against the Oilers, we'd probably be oh. in a lot more trouble. Oh yeah, we'd be in fucking hell. Um, but I did want to give like that looked in Seattle. Like that crowd, like that looked electric. Like that looked really fucking fun. And regardless of like, I hope the Avs win this series, but Seattle, they chose the right city. Like that is a badass city for hockey and they love their sports. And why 
any team would ever move away from Seattle is just mind boggling to me. Like why the Sonics moved to Oklahoma city is still, I have no idea because Seattle is some of the most loyal fans and I'm done being nice to Seattle, but that looked fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty decent crowd for me. I mean, I was, I might've been expecting a little bit more, maybe just cause I was the, like the first Vegas playoff game. Like I'm convinced they had like drugs given, given away. Oh yeah. They gave ecstasy to everyone. Like with just how wild that, that entire atmosphere was for that entire run. But like the Kraken crowd was still great, especially when that game was three, three, they were very into it. And the abs, they did a good job kind of slowing everything down for the rest of the period. The penalty kill again, takes them out of it. You get to the end of the period. It's three, three, nobody's happy, but you're still playing better than the Kraken. And it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. You played sloppy for 17 seconds and Seattle, again, I've said a million times a series, they are more than happy to take everything you give them and put it in the back of their net. Cause that that's what they've done from game one. Almost every goal they have scored has been a direct result of a mistake. I still think it's every goal. Like even like the first goal, they couldn't, they couldn't get the puck out. And it's like, they, they, they're creating chances because of your mistakes. So I still have not seen the Kraken like set up their own play without causing an abs mistake, which is again, a credit to them as a team that they're just a hardworking son of sons, bitches, and they will forecheck your ass. But um yeah, like you said, getting into the second intermission tied three, I I felt good going into the third. Right, period. like if you told me that we would be going into the third tied at three in the first Kraken game in history, I would like I'd be fine with that. I wouldn't be like thrilled, but I'd be perfectly fine with that because when you have Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen and Kale McCarr who have been through this kind of thing before, they're just able to take over. And Miko Miko Rantanen was getting some shit, and rightfully so after the Alexiak play. Uh, don't give Miko Rantan too much shit. Don't start calling him like, oh, this guy's not a playoff performer. It's all McKinnon and McCarr. He just rides their coattails. Because, like, I might sound like I'm making that up, but I'm not. Like, there was genuine talks about that for some reason in this game. And He was playing with JT Comfer and Matt Nieto. Like, come on. Like, that's nothing against JT Comfer and Matt Nieto, but come on. Like, that that's who he's playing with on his line. Like, there's not a lot of... Uh, of uh, playmaking on that line, to say the least, outside of Miko Rantanen. I mean, like, and, and poor Matt Nieto, like, he, he did fine to not drown. Oh, he did great. He did, like, fine to not drown in this game, but, like, the top six minutes is just not in his wheelhouse. But he did fine, given, given the situation. And Miko Rantanen did more than fine in the third period. He gets an early one, three minutes into the period, rifles it through the five hole of Philip Grubauer on the feed from Devontae's, who is so back. Devontae's is so back. He's been killing it for the last couple of periods and Ranton in his second of the series just silences that crowd early. And you could tell that the abs were like, no, we're not, we're not losing this game. Absolutely. Did you, did you not get shades of uh game four against Calgary when you scored that overtime winner on that goal? Like that, yeah. that's just what I imagine. I didn't even know he was in the play. Like I was watching that and I was like, Oh, Devonte, it's coming down there. And then Miko Ranton just came out of fucking nowhere and just rifles that one. Like I, I got vibes of the, the winner against Calgary in the overtime. Yeah, I mean, he definitely just has that ability to to rifle a puck through like that. It was a great play by Devontae's. His fourth point of the series, for a guy that we were ragging on early on, he is playing out of his mind right now. And Ranton puts the abs up 4-3, to three, and Ranton might have put them ahead. McKinnon buried this team. That We talked about it already. That fifth goal is 
probably one of the most disrespectful goals he's ever, ever scored, which is that was just a disrespectful shift by the avalanche. I mean, it's, it was just 25 seconds of Nathan McKinnon taking the puck saying, this is mine. Now I'm going to do whatever I want with this. And you are not going to stop me. And who was that? Was that Daniel Sprong? I think it was Donato. Yeah. Donato. It was Donato. Who's just out of his league on this, just getting bodied and thrown off by McKinnon and deked out of his shoes. He's just going for a free skate around the net, deking out everyone and just rips it past Philip Grubauer. Like just, just rude kind like these guys have families in attendance this is such a big important deal for them and their fans you're gonna do that on their ice like don't you like don't you think about that man mac don't you think about these guys and their families and their friends are here and you're just gonna embarrass them like that it's just just kind of fucked up It, it was it was so pretty and just a vintage nathan mckinnon goal uh, like just that shift alone, Makar and McKinnon deked out. I, I think it was Donato both times. Like Makar slipped a check, and then McKinnon deked out one guy. First shot gets blocked, and then Bo Bauer makes a great pass to him, and McKinnon deeks out Donato again. And like that was, they made that goal look a lot easier than it actually was. They're, they're showing it right now on NHL Network. You know Donato's just sitting there on one knee. It's like I am not built for this kind of no. shit. Just get me out of this game. Like that was a brilliant goal, and they made the hard stuff look very easy. And the Avs were up five three, and really after that, it was just kind of like, all right, let's just get get through these next like twelve thirteen minutes that are left in this game and get out of here with a win. Yeah, I mean, this kind of reminded me of a couple of the road games in St. Louis last year in the playoffs where you're pretty much in control of this game. You have a strong second period, but they're getting life back late in the second. You still got to bury it, and that's exactly what they did. For some reason, this is just a road team. They love playing games on the road, and they love third periods on the road, too. They love them more than anything. They are just so good at burying teams and crushing their hopes and dreams because the Kraken did get one back like really late on some cheap shit, but the Avs did a phenomenal job at just shutting this game down entirely. Like after this goal from McKinnon, the third period really wasn't all that interesting. No, I, uh, I, I'm trying to think if I like, I literally just, I think it was on my phone most of the third period. Cause I was like, okay, here we go. Like we're, we're good. Like we're, we're chilling. Um, and one thing that I took away from this game too, is how many block shots did the Kraken have in this game? I feel like they, they blocked a fuck ton. They blocked 19 compared to the abs 10. Yeah, like they blocked so many shots in this game. I, I thought and it was more than 19, honestly. So did I. I really do. Like, I, I guess that goes like what is technically a block because like they broke up a lot of plays with their stick too. Um, that's the thing. Like, I don't think the Kraken played that bad in this game. It's just no. the abs were that much better. I mean, I thought the Kraken played the same as they did in the first two games. I mean, it's just the Kraken don't have that with a guy like Nathan McKinnon, who's just disrespecting you on your home ice like that, throwing you the ground, putting them, putting that kind of shot through Philip Grubauer. Like they're playing really solid, good hockey. They're getting a lot of depth contributions. You have to give them credit. They're a great scrappy team that I think is going to be just one of those teams in the playoffs that when Maddie Beneers grows into something more and they continue to build this team is going to be a threat for a long time, but just where it stands right now, this series is far from over. I don't want it to come off as I'm disrespecting the Kraken because I really do respect this team. The Avs need to show up the rest of the way. But when the Avs show up, the Kraken 
don't have the ability to stop them. They don't. But when the Avs take time off, even like they did for 17 seconds in the second period, the Kraken make them pay. But when McKinnon plays like this, when Rantanen plays like this, they don't have an answer for it. I think that's why we were so frustrated early on. It's like, yeah, they're good, but they're not special. You should be able to do this to them. You should. And after the first period of game two, I think we've seen that. And the Avs kind of figured it out a little bit. And if Grubauer is not bailing out the Kraken, which he, I mean, he, he did okay in game two. Like that's nothing like he wasn't bad in game two, but he he was not great tonight. Was not great tonight. Um, So if the abs play like they, I don't even think they played their best game tonight either. Like there's still another level for this team. And once we get that, they are going to, they should win the series pretty easily. Yeah, not easily. They should win the series. Easily, but it, it's their series to lose. I think that's right. a better way to put it. Is if they don't get out of this series against the Kraken and are going home early, it's their fault. They have the talent to win this series. And now that the Philip Grubauer has officially been broken in this series, he's not making 38 saves and he gave up six goal or five goals in this game, six with the empty netter. Like you don't have to worry about like, oh, Grubauer just might steal this series. It's like, yeah, he played well for two games. You can probably expect that from most goalies in the NHL that that's going to happen. You kept at it. You kept pressuring him with shots. He can't stop the F star power when they play like that. No, he can't. Did it, does it not kind of remind you a little bit of that bubble series against Darcy Kemper? Like remember in the first two games, Darcy Kemper was godly and, and he was making some unreal saves. And then in game three, it was just the dam broke. Honestly, I think that's a pretty good comparison. I mean, the, the coyotes, like they had good Taylor hall at that point, or at least decent Taylor hall in the bubble. They had a decent team, like a deep team. And they had Darcy Kemper, who was like a nine sixty, And I think to like one of the best goalies in the league that year too, as well. And the Kraken again, really, really good team. That is probably going to make this series difficult all the way to the end. But this is the Av series to lose. Absolutely. And you go through the rest of this game. Like the Kraken had a couple of things. Georgiev, they needed they needed him to make a couple of saves. He makes a big save on Jordan Everly late in the third. You get the empty net goal from Miko Rant. I mean, Arturi Lekkinen is just a just a dog. He plays 21 minutes in this game. The guy's such a big game performer. A big steal sets up Ranton for the empty net and just puts this one away. I I just love Arturi Lekkinen. <laughs> So much the guy just put the way he plays hockey is so satisfying isn't it just it is so damn hard every shift and he feels like he's always on his ass like it feels like he's always getting knocked down and it just doesn't even phase him um i was nervous because i bought a lecky jersey at game two and i was like do i put it into the rotation and i was like yeah i got a new jersey i'm gonna wear it and uh it it it's one and oh so i think we're gonna have to Keep it in the rotation for however long these playoffs go, but uh, I feel good buying that jersey. Like it was between him and Val, and I was like, Lecky, I, I kind of like the way Lecky plays a little bit more. Uh, so I went with Lecky, and he's back. Like you could tell the first like two games he played, like the last two games of regular season, he was getting his legs under him a little bit. Uh, ever since the start of the playoffs, it's like, oh, okay, Arturi Lekkinen's back to being the menace he is. Right. Like even when we were talking about like, oh, the depth wasn't very good in game one, it was definitely a lot more Val than it was Lecky. Because again, Lekkinen just doesn't have bad games. I really cannot remember a time like, wow, Artari Lekkinen just didn't look very good today. It didn't look like he was trying all that hard. Because even if he's not scoring a ton of goals 
or getting a ton of assists. Like he's just doing all the right things on the ice. And I know it's an empty net play and you shouldn't be gushing over an empty net play, but he, he just makes that whole thing happen. And he, he deserves that. And even though Ranson got the goal, he deserves to be getting the point on that. Oh yeah. Deserves to get the point. And another guy like who's been just an unsung hero of the series and is still going to score a big goal. I just have a feeling, like you said, in the last Evan Rodriguez has been phenomenal. He, this he's is been great. Of, this is some of the best that Erod's looked all year outside of like that stretch in November he's been a massive game changer in this series. Like the kind of guy like, yeah, he hasn't scored yet, but the Kraken don't treat him that way. They treat him like a huge threat in this series because he's been close a lot. And you go to that, that hit he had on Vince Dunn in game two as well, which gave the Avs such a huge boost the rest of the way they all admitted. And he only finished today with the one shot on goal, but I, I don't care about that. The way he's playing He's going to score a massive goal in this series. If one of these games ends up going to overtime, he's going to be that guy. I fully believe that. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. It's NBA playoff time. That means big hoops options with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with the touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And even if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back up to $10. The Nuggets going up against the Timberwolves this week. I've got a future for the Nuggets to be winning the entire thing. Get in on the action right now at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Now, back to the episode. He's been phenomenal. Him and McKinnon and Lekkinen have been a really good line. And I see why he's staying up on that top pair. Like, I really do. He's been phenomenal. And he's going to score a big goal here in the series. You just know it. He He's just way too around the puck. And I got a little nervous because it looked like he deflected the puck and he was looking at his hand afterwards. And I was like, please tell me this dude didn't break his fucking finger. Um, but he was good. He played the rest of the game and everything was fine, but uh, he's going to score a big goal. I thought he was really good. Uh, the demon for this game, Kale McCarr, Devontae's were phenomenal. Uh, Sam Gerrard, he, he gets bodied by Jaden Schwartz on the first goal. But other than that, I thought he had another really good game. Like he, he was just solid. Um, that's going to happen every once in a while with Sam Gerrard. We're not going to go into the whole, like, should Sam Gerrard be on the abs thing? Because that's just exhausting, but he's been really good this series. Bo Byron-Mary talked about uh, Josh Manson for the first time since he's been back. I thought he had a pretty decent game. Uh, I think they're really easing him back in, which is the right way to do it. Um, but I, I thought this was the best he looked. Like, he was making checks. He was not treating the puck like an active grenade, and he was good. Yeah, he played 15 minutes, finished the night with eight hits. I mean, that's what you're paying Josh Manson to do. And he's looking better now that he's getting his legs back under him in the playoffs and his back up to at least speed. He could not play any worse than he did in game in the start of game two. He looked good in this game and pretty decent. The Kraken get a power play goal at the end, which just, 
if you're going to waste your power play bullet with like 30 seconds left when you're when you're down by three, by all means, waste it. Yeah, but by all means, do it. We're cool with that. The Avs penalty kill in this game was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. They just make, I don't really know if anyone even cared on this penalty kill because it was just, I don't even remember who scored this goal. It was Schwartz again. In Schwartz, he's just kind of left alone in front on a deflection of a Justin Schultz shot makes it six to four whoopee and makes it look a lot closer than it really was because the abs dominated most of this game. They were far and away the better team for, I'd say 80, 85% of it. And really did show that like, this is their series to lose. Yeah. The Kraken are good and they're going to give them all they can handle. But again, for the millionth time this episode, when the abs play like this, they don't have an answer for it. They don't they can't stop him. And Vince Dunn, I thought, was very quiet in this game, uh, which is huge for the Avs. And, yeah, they look really Justin, solid, man. Justin Schultz has kind of taken over the Vince Dunn role in this series. How much does that pain you? I, that's fine. I didn't really like Schultz too much in Washington. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Great, great friend that he's turned around his career so much in Seattle. I, I thought he was cooked, so good for him that he's – turn it back around but again schultz even still finished the night with two points and still a minus one dunce dunn was a i called him dunce that's rude <laughs> dunn was a minus two in this game oh man that's so rude i'm sorry vince i didn't mean it maybe a little bit but i mean the the kraken just don't have that guy that can really take over a game maddie Beniers might be that one day he took advantage of alex newhook on his goal for his first career playoff goal and he played 20 minutes to his credit but they just they don't have that guy that they can rely on to throw out there with Nathan McKinnon because he, like even Yanni Gord they had the last change in this game Yanni Gord's not good enough to to stop him no. they just they don't have the answer like the the Ryan O'Reilly that the Blues had last year that for the most part was able to keep McKinnon somewhat in check they don't like Edmonton didn't have an answer for it outside of McDavid who they're not throwing on the the ice at the same time as McKinnon. And Tampa Bay did their best, but they couldn't stop him either. And like, Yanni Gord's just not going to do that. I'm sorry. No, he's not. And and the thing is, is like all the players we thought who were going to be huge factors for the Kraken so far in the series have really not been. Like Jordan Eberle doesn't have a goal. Uh, Jared McCann's been relatively quiet. Matty Beniers gets his first. Like it's really been like the unheralded guys for the Kraken who have scored. Yeah. And that's – that's exactly how the Avs are going to win the series. If you keep the guys, like the few guys that the Kraken have that could be game changers, they're shutting them down. Yeah. I mean, only one guy for the Kraken has more than two goals in this series, and that's Jaden Schwartz, who has two goals. And they both came in this game, and one of them was in complete garbage time. And Justin Schultz has four points. Schwartz, Wenberg, and Gord have three. Like they're getting, they have a lot of point scores and goal scores in this series, but they just, they don't have the one guy that is going to take them to the next level. And Beneers might be that one day, but he's 20. He's just not there yet. Again, Not yet, but he's he's going to be there eventually. So overall, great game. Avs take a 2-1 series lead, regain home ice in the series. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves. It, it's, it's a big win, but we're looking ahead to Monday, game four. Um, if the Avs win this game, I, I think it's safe to say it's going to get wrapped up in five. I, I don't know, man. I think if they can win this game, this this team has had trouble with closing things out this season. And they did they had trouble last year closing things out yeah. on home ice too. If you can win this game four in Seattle, it you it 
it very least puts you in the position to put this series away early because I really don't think you want to to give them that life going no. back to Colorado because the, this is a road series. These are two very good road teams. It might be the kind of thing where you have to defend road ice and win in Seattle again because you're not super confident with how you've played at home this year and played at home in the first two games of this series. But I, th- I think the Kraken are going to be desperate. But now that Nathan McKinnon has woken up, now that Kale McCarr is officially on the board in this series, Rantanen picks up three points as well. I think this is going to be a very close game. The Kraken are going to be desperate, but those big guns are I, they're just going to be too much to stop. I agree, but like, I don't know, like it just feels like Seattle is going to have another game like game one where just all their bounces go their way. Like it just kind of feels that way. Uh, there's going to be a ton of desperation in the Kraken. If the Avs score first, which I guess in the series is like They're only different. one and two, um, I think that's going to be huge. But if you play like you did tonight, you should be able to take care of business and go up 3-1 in the series. So I, it's just tough. Get Like when teams are desperate, you just never know what you're going to get. Like we saw it with the lightning in game five of the cup final against the abs. Like it looked like that series was over and they came out and played a good game and they won the game. And then you saw it in game five with the blues. Like it looked like they were dead. Even then, like was that desperation or was that the abs are nervous? That's probably that too. I think it's a good mixture. I think it was the abs are nervous and they had those games dead to rights. They (laughs) had the blues dead to rights in that game and they just couldn't get a save and they couldn't finish it off. And in the third period of game five against Tampa, they had all that momentum and it just, they couldn't get the save from Darcy Kemper. And they just seemed kind of nervous in that game and needed to go on the road to finish things off. I think in game four, they're going to be fine. I, I think it's going to be an overtime game. Yeah. I was just about to say that like this, there hasn't been an overtime game in the series. There has to be one. I just, I just think we're due for one here. I think Grubauer is going to have a strong night, a good bounce back performance. I'm going to say the Avs win four to three in overtime and Nathan McKinnon is just going to make some people look silly and win it. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go a little bit different because I, I just to be different. Um, I, I think this is going to be a really tight game. I think the Kraken are going to jump out to like a two nothing lead. And then in the third period, the Avs are just going to go off. And I think they went at four, two in regulation. I like it. I think, I, the, I think the Avs are going to score first. I think they're due for that in this series. They've come close and I don't think they're very happy with their starts. I think I don't think there's going to be anything in the first period. I think it's going to be a silent first period. They're going to go back and forth in the second for a while, trade goals in the third, and the Kraken are going to be scrappy, and they're going to probably score three and drag this game to OT. And I I just said McKinnon was going to win it, forgetting that I already said Erod is going to win it. Yeah, so McKinnon, McKinnon's go. going to have his goals in regulation, and Erod set up by a nasty McKinnon play is what's going to end it probably halfway through the first overtime. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it's just, I are the Kraken going to be nervous? Like, are, are they going to be nervous in this game? I mean, like, they don't have pressure right now. They, yeah. like, they, they're, they've already made it farther than they should, and I don't think they're going to be nervous that much. They'll want to win one on home ice. I think that's where the desperation is going to come from. They don't want to lose four straight and lose both of their first home playoff games. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I... I think if the Avs play the way they did tonight, they should win this game in regulation. But I completely agree. I could see this going to overtime just because every playoff series needs to have an overtime. It, it's just like that's just hockey. Except <laughs> sometimes just don't for some reason. You go just seven games, no overtimes. 
But I mean, if the abs, like if they really have woken up and just play their game, it won't get to overtime. I don't think so. But it's the playoffs and weird things happen. The abs could win this game like six to three again. They could have another high scoring night because if Philip Grubauer is not playing the way he did in games one and two, the Kraken, they don't have a shot. They they need Grubauer to stand tall and, and bail them out a couple of times because you have instances where Nathan McKinnon's just going to break through and just burn past everybody here. And you need Grubauer to come up with those saves. And if he's not getting that, then they'll, they'll wrap this one up before overtime. But I think the Kraken are going to have a very solid last gasp. I think they are too. I, Hmm. This is going to be, this is going to be a tight one. It, it really is. I, I, I think the abs are going to be able to get it done, but um, we'll have to wait and see. I'm, I'm feeling good though. Like after this game, I'm feeling good. Yeah. I mean, I feel good after the last two games, the way they've gone first period of game two sucked. And then after that, it was all abs outside of a couple sloppy mistakes from the abs in this game. They dominated. This was their game to lose and they didn't lose it. They took care of business and were able to get the job done. And they were able to silence a loud Seattle crowd. They scored six goals on the road. This is a road team. I fully believe in their ability to finish this off. Yeah, I do too. And I think we're in for an Alexander Georgiev game where he's just going to be fucking lights out. Because he he had it a little bit in game two. But I, I think we're in for like the Georgiev we saw in the regular season for this game. I think I'm talking myself out of overtime, honestly. <laughs> I think it's again my my the psycho in me that just wants to deal with that stress of overtime again. If everything goes right for the abs, this game won't go to overtime. Yeah. I think I think that's what I'm getting at here. And Georgiev, we haven't really talked about him much in this game. He was getting a lot of shit and he finished the game sub nine hundred. I really didn't think he was bad in this yeah. game. Again, like you want, you want one of those to be stopped. You want, you just want every save. You want every right. save all the time. But you can't look at those and go, "Oh, those are soft. Those are bad goals." On the on the on the Alexiak goal, he he flubs the dumpin. You you, you got to give him that. He did not handle the dumpin very well. But Rantanen needs to not let that play get to that point where Alexiak's alone for the backhand, and the Matty Beniers one. Like, that's bad defense. Bad defense and then two deflections. Like that's that's what it took to beat him. So I, I think we're in for a Georgiev game that's just going to be, uh, yeah, really good. If it wasn't for the power play goal with thirty seconds left on a wide open deflection, like if he stops that shot, he finishes the night above nine hundred. Yeah, like he'll be fine. So I, I think we're in for that. But I think we're both uh, in agreement. Abs are going to take a three one series lead, have a chance to close it out on home ice in game five. Did you have any other thoughts about this game before we do our quick playoff update for the rest of the league? I mean, not really. I think I've said most of what I need to say about this. When the Avs big guns play like that, the Kraken, they just, they need to get lucky. That's all there is. That's perfect way to put. So yeah, Avs win six to four in Seattle in game three. They take a two to one series lead. And Christian, what does that have in common with every series in the NHL right now? They're all 2-1. Yeah. Every series in the NHL right now is 2-1. This is a very, very fun first round. All of these series have delivered in their own way. We'll start where we always do in the Eastern Conference and start in the Atlantic with Boston and Florida and just get this one out of the way first because this was the least interesting game. For oh, me. yeah. I mean, Boston kicked the shit out of Florida in this game. Like, that that was the Boston team we had come to know and love. And uh, the Alex Lyon story may be over because I would not be shocked if Bobrovsky starts game four. 
because you put Bobrovsky in. I mean, it's not Lions' fault. No. The Panthers just had nothing in this game. Still no Bergeron. There won't be Bergeron for game four. Potentially no Linus Allmark as well in game four. There, it was uh, Montgomery was talking today that Swayman's not out of the realm of possibility to start in game four as Allmark has had something that's been nagging him. And there's a two-day break between four and five for the Bruins, so it might make sense to start Swayman. It's not Marc-Andre Fleury going in for <laughs> Philip Gustafson. This is genuinely your goalies kind of banged up, but... We haven't talked about that enough, but the Bruins were so fucking stupid at the end of the year to keep playing all these guys. Like, I get getting the wins record, but why is Patrice Bergeron playing? The Bergeron thing was because of his dad. His dad was there. I believe his dad has cancer or something. Okay, now I feel like a dick, but... No, it's like it, that wasn't very common knowledge, but I believe I I might even be wrong, but that's what I saw about it is that his dad was there and they're going to play him in that game against Montreal. And that's just that's tough shit. That's bad luck. Yeah, but still, like, why, why are these guys playing in these fucking games? Like, you already have the wins record. You're the greatest. Why, why are they playing in this game? I don't even like is the wins record that important that you're playing these right. games when you're leading the presence. You clinched the president's trophy like three weeks ago. Because here's the thing, like Bergeron may be old, but he's still such a fucking good player. And he's gonna win another Selkie. Yeah, like he is so good and he's way too important to this. Like, if he's not back for round two, I don't know if they can beat the Maple Leafs or the Lightning. I really don't. Yeah, not I mean, they're playing fine against the Panthers, but the Panthers did light them up in game two. Yeah. They're already struggling through a lot of injuries. I think they need to wrap this one up and they need to wrap it up quick because the, yep. the more the Panthers can drag this series out, the more they're going to take out of the Bruins. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So we'll see how that one goes. Uh, I, I think the Bruins are going to win today by the time you're listening to this and take a three, one lead and then win game five. I, I still think it's, I still think it's Bruins. just the Panthers looked like dog shit in game three. Yeah, I, like the, They just don't have the depth. to yep. compete. And if Matthew Kachuk's not scoring four points a night, then, there's not a lot they can do. And 4-2 makes it look close. They had two goals in the last five minutes of the game to make it look close. Yeah. It wasn't close. The Bruins dominated this whole thing. Yeah. You go to a much more interesting series, though, in the Atlantic. Uh, Toronto and Tampa. Someone is going to be dead before this series is done. Someone's just going to bring a gun on the ice with them one of these days. This is a violent series. The Maple Leafs win 4-3. to three in overtime to take a two to one series lead. O'Reilly ties it with a minute left and Morgan Riley, the main character of this game wins it with under a minute to go in overtime after the whole debacle on Braden point in the third period. These teams are going to kill each other before it's over. Like we're talking about Boston is going to be banged up going into the second round. Are either of these teams going to have anybody left by the time we're done here? I mean, we had Matthews and Stamkos fighting in this game. Like, the, the, like there's been fights in these, like, all of the games. It's just been crazy. Um, but, like, say something nice about the Leafs. I did not think they were going to win this game. When it was a minute left, I thought they were going to lose. And credit to them, they they showed me something. That the they, they got a little bit of heart. Yeah, the Leafs don't win these games in the playoffs. I can't name a time in the last seven years that they have had a game like this where they need to tie it late. They do, and then actually win it. The only one that comes to mind is Columbus in the bubble, where they scored three goals in two minutes, won that game in overtime, and then lost that series anyway the next day. But this was like the first time they've genuinely pulled off a win like this. And that, to me, says something might be a little different in Toronto right now. It might be a little bit different, but I, I 
pretty much guaranteed Tampa's going to win game oh, four. Oh, yeah. Tampa is going to win game four, but like Tampa just seems kind of unhinged right now. Like they just seem psychotic. Like I said it last episode and it seemed more true today. These guys just seem more and more unhinged with every single passing game. Like, because the Stamkos thing on Matthews, like, I didn't like that. He no, was, I didn't either. Held by the refs. He grabs Matthews and then just turns around and starts wailing on him. And Matthews is like, what the fuck? And then he's like dropping his gloves and desperately trying to defend himself and make it look like a fight. You had the thing with Morgan Riley on Braden Point. And I know people were upset that it wasn't a penalty, but I have a hard time calling a five-minute major for boarding when the hit came above the goal line. Yeah, I like that hit looked a lot worse in real time. And then you watch it and you're like, yeah, it's, it's like it's kind of bad luck. Like it, it looks a lot worse than it actually was. Um, but I mean, overall, like that series is going seven. Like we already know it's going seven. And I still like I didn't think Samsonov looked great tonight, but they won the game, and that's all that matters. Like he saved 36 to 39, even if all the three he gave up weren't very good. The one he stopped a bunch else and it went deep in overtime as well. And like, I couldn't watch much of the overtime. I just had it on my laptop while the abs game was on. I felt like every time I looked down though, Tampa had the puck and they, oh, were yeah. so close they dominated that overtime. And then a Riley just floater from the outside gets through Vasilevsky. Who's been not great in this. He's been meh. Not he's been meh. I, think it's, I think it's worse than meh, man. Yeah. I mean, he's, he has he was over 900 in game one, barely got destroyed in game two, and again 23 on 27 in this game, again below 900. It's not going to cut it for the Lightning, and they had Victor Hedman back in this game. I mean, if Toronto can win Game Four, I, honestly, do they even want to be up three one? Like, do they do they really want? Oh, geez, does Tampa does Toronto really want to deal with being up three to one and then potentially losing at home in Game Five? Uh, I don't know because if they lose game five, you know, that series is over. You know, the lightning are winning that the second they lose a game when they have their third win, the series is toasted. They have no, yeah, it's over. Um, but I, I, I think I believe in this Maple Leafs team. I think I do. We've kind of been saying it for a little bit. Like it's, I, I think it's even less. I believe in the Leafs and it's just Tampa just looks so done. They just seem tired and they just seem like they are scratching and clawing their way through this series because they know they're they just don't have a lot left. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I, I think Tampa gets gets it to seven, but I, I just eventually you have to get tired. Honestly, like, I think it's I think they're gonna finish it in six. I think if it goes seven, Tampa wins. I just don't think the Leafs can do it in seven games against this. <laughs> it would be peak comedy if they lost in seven again. It would be. They, but... To finish this series off in less than six. Because once they once they just get out of the first round, they can go seven all the live long day. Until then, you gotta wrap this up before yeah. it goes seven. They, they they're playing better than Tampa right now, or at oh, least yeah. a very close series. And they they just don't have the excuse to lose this series right now. No. None at all. No, they don't. But we'll see. That's gonna be a big game on Monday as well. Let's move down to the Metro. Uh the Hurricanes still can't win a road playoff game. Uh, that was a implosion of all implosions in the last five minutes of that game. Yeah, the offensive juggernaut New York Islanders set an NHL playoff record for the fastest four goals in playoff history. You know, the those superstar Islanders. Yeah. Like Kyle Palmieri, Matt Martin, Scott Mayfield, and Anders Lee. You know, 
as you do. Typical. Just like you were expecting. Yeah, as you'd expect. The Islanders win 5-1 to one when it was 1-1 one, one with four minutes to go in the game. Not a super interesting game for most of it. Obviously, very low scoring. First playoff game at UBS Arena in Long Island. But you had Palmieri break that tie late. Another one from Matt Martin less than a minute later. Scott Bayfield gets the empty netter and just a floater deflection by Anders Lee goes through Auntie Ranta. I feel bad for Ranta because I jinxed him. I was saying, I was talking to, to one of my buddies being like, how has Ranta turned into what Sorokin was supposed to be in this series? And just immediately three goals right through his head. Right in your face. This series comes down to once again, who is going to win on the road first? Because the Hurricanes just cannot do it. They have lost seven. Is it seven or eight in a row on the road? Because oh, they lost three against Boston, three, three against Boston. New York. So seven, seven. Well, because did they lose game four in Tampa too? In 2021? I think they did. I think you're right. Yeah. So it might be seven or eight. So, oh God, now I'm totally, this is not hard math. Why can I not do this? So one, three, three. So that was eight, right? Am I crazy? That was eight. Okay. So surely they have to win a road game eventually, but this game's probably even over by the time you're listening to this. They play at 11 a.m. Mountain time tomorrow by the time this episode goes up. So this game's probably done by the time you're hearing this, but yeah, this, this could be really bad, but uh, I, I don't have faith in the hurricanes. I, I think the Islanders are going to win again. I don't know how you can with how this team plays on the road in the playoffs. And if Auntie Ronta starts again, the guy stinks on the road. Like he does. It's not even just him. The whole team just cannot do it on the road for some reason. If the Hurricanes can win game four, they're going to win this series. But the Islanders, after being one of the only teams down 2-0, could very well have this series tied. And then anything can happen from there. I mean, give the Islanders a little life in the playoffs. I dare you. They're they're they play suffocating, and if Sorokin can turn into what we thought he was going into the series, they have a chance. Yeah. So I think that series is going to be two two. I really do. And the last game, he made thirty on thirty one. The only one was pretty, eh, not a great shorthanded goal to give up, but he did enough. And that that UBS Arena is loud, so that's going to be a pretty fun game for. He moved down another one to a series that I thought would be done and dusted, but again, oh yeah, we talked on last episode. We thought it was going to be a sweep. But much much like the Avs on the road, the Devils this season have been much better on the road, and they scrape this one away from the Rangers. They win 2-1 to one in overtime, and Akira Schmid comes in there, 35 saves on 36 shots, and saves the Devils' bacon and saves their season from being down 2-0. Jack Hughes scores on the power play. Dougie Hamilton wins it in overtime. Chris Kreider with his fifth goal of the playoffs. I mean, just gross. Still think the Rangers are going to win this series, but it's good for the Devils to get on the board. Yeah, good for the Devils. That was a big-time win. I, I did not expect them to win that game. I bet on them, uh, expecting Blackwood in the net, and then I saw Schmid was in. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's just lost money. Um, but he played great, and the Devils, like, they're hanging around. Like, if they can win game four and make that a three-game series, like, let's be honest, the Rangers, like, They've take like they've scored an obscene amount of power play goals. They didn't score a single one tonight, and look what happens. Like if, if you can shut down the power play, and it sounds like real basic hockey, but the Devils have a chance in this series. Like they they can beat the Rangers. It's and crazy. if if you get competent goaltending for the Devils, you're gonna be fine. It's crazy how one game changes the attitude. So oh, yeah. 
Because I I had completely written off this series. Like, yeah, the Rangers, they're going to sweep. Maybe the Devils steal one, which they did. Very well could still be Rangers in five. But this is still very much a series. And if the Devils can steal another one at Madison Square Garden, things are going to get a lot more interesting as we head back to New Jersey. Because it's not like New Jersey's been bad at home this year. Not like Seattle has. They've been good at home. They've just been elite on the road like they're the third best team in the nhl in the regular season like they had to get there somehow and they've done it by winning a lot of games on the road but unless the devils can have a game where they pull away i'm still i'm just gonna chalk this one up as a steal for right now where the rangers just got shut down by schmid i think the rangers are gonna win game four and maybe the devils can steal another one at home but I, I still I still like the Rangers to take this. See, I like the Devils in game four. I really do. Like the way they played tonight, I I, I also picked them, so I needed that little bit of life injected in me. So I'm going to take the Devils to win game four. Uh, I'm glad that that's a game previous to the Avs and we get to watch those ones because those they've been good games. It's just the Rangers have been scoring power play goals at an obscene rate. Yeah. So I don't know if that's sustainable. Yeah, I mean, I just didn't. I didn't get to watch a ton of this game. I only got to watch bits of the overtime on my laptop because the Abs were playing. I figure you guys care a little bit more of what I think about the Abs games than the Devils games. But good to at least see that even a series I thought was over is going to be pushed a little farther than I thought. Great win for the Devils. We go to the Pacific Division. This was an interesting one between Vegas and Winnipeg. See, I slept through the first two periods, so I got to get right to the good part. where the Jets immediately tie the game, or not immediately. You get the first one from Nino Niederreiter. Shifley makes it a one-goal game. Lowry ties it with 22 seconds left. Vegas blows a 4-1 to lead and sends this game to overtime. The Winnipeg crowd's going crazy. But once Vegas survived that first real stretch from Winnipeg, you could tell they were they were going to still win this game. Oh yeah, you could tell, and the Jets took a huge blow. Josh Morrissey's out the rest of the playoff or this series. Um, that's a big blow. I don't think the Jets can be able to overcome that. They needed to win this game. Uh, I still have some concerns about Brassois in that. I I, I still do. Uh, it's just Hellebuck wasn't great today, and a turnover by your third pair defenseman cost you that game. Yeah, it's a very it's a very bad bounce for Samberg. Goes right to the stick of Michael Amadio who scores the goal in double overtime to win it for Vegas. Like that's a heartbreaker for the Jets because they had it. They, if they won that game, they're up two to one in the series with another game at home. And because man, like that, that one's just got to suck because they had it. One bad bounce goes against them. And you're, you're really questioning it right now. If they can really hang with Vegas in this series, they can, but they needed that one. Yeah, Morrissey being out is just massive for them. Like that's that's a huge blow. I just don't know if you can overcome that. No, I don't think they can. For the rest so, of the season, like I, I love Nate Schmidt. I think Neil Peok's a very underrated guy, but not having your number one guy as the second wild card, like you're you're gonna need to outscore your problems. And you're gonna need Connor Hellbuck to stand on his head. And he and he is to his credit. I mean, he faced 48 shots in this game. Vegas is absolutely peppering him. The last I mean, little bit. Jack Eichel had a great game too. I mean, like Jack Eichel's been phenomenal in these playoffs. So that's uh my, that's my the nice thing I'll say about Vegas. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, because I don't have to say anything nice. I still think it's going seven. I still think Winnipeg has a lot in them, and they can push this series deeper than Vegas is comfortable with. But that's a big win for Vegas. And speaking of big overtime wins, 
Los Angeles, once again, an overtime win over the Oilers. They beat Edmonton 3-2 to two again. The Oilers just cannot put this team away. That's I, I still think that like the Kings have not played their best game and they're somehow up 2 1 in the series. Like the, the Oilers, you could make the Oilers should be up 3 0 in the series. They Absolutely. should, they should definitely be up. They've been the better team in all three games and they just cannot get anything past Corpus All in crunch time. They just can't. Yeah, you had the two goals from McDavid on the power play. The Kings have only led for seven minutes in this entire series and it was from the Iafalo goal to the first McDavid goal. But the elephant in the room in this game is the high stick in overtime or the non-called high stick in overtime where Trevor Moore scores only a little bit later on the power play to give the Kings the win. I don't really know how I feel about this because I see I see people saying that like, oh, there wasn't a high stick. It didn't hit a stick. It did. But it did. I'm also I'm also of the mind that it doesn't matter because it bar- like that puck was not going like to go out of play or anything. It wasn't like he batted it out of the air. It like taps the stick barely changes the trajectory goes off of the back of Ekholm. it's just it's such a minuscule thing that overturning an overtime goal because of that just would have seemed kind of gross to me but it, it did hit the stick oh it was a high stick without a doubt it's just i think if they would have called it on the ice a high stick then that wouldn't be a problem. But you call it a goal on the ice. You need indisputable video evidence. And like you have people on Twitter who are just like zooming in as close as they can. Like I honestly thought they were going to overturn it with how long that review was taking. I thought they were going to overturn it. I really did. Yeah. I think my favorite thing coming out of this, like, oh, it's rigged. The the, the NHL wants the LA Kings to beat Connor McDavid in the first round because that just makes sense. Yeah, right? totally. Everything that goes against the Oilers is someone else's fault all the time. When they need to look in the mirror and they're the reason why they aren't up in the series. Like they, they should be up three Oh in the series without a doubt. They should be talking about a sweep right now. The Kings are without Fiala. They're playing a great series. Like they're doing great to contain McDavid, but Kane's one goal is into an empty net. Dry settles playing. Well, you got to give them credit for that. But McDavid does, does McDavid even have an even strength point? in this series right now Uh, i don't think he he has to he has to i don't know if he does i think all of his points have come on the power play so far because he didn't have a point in game one did he no he didn't have a point in game one and the i'm pretty sure he had an assist on the dry saddle goal in game two but that was on the power play Mm -hmm. and his two goals in these in this game were on the power play i don't think he has an even strength point and dry is playing great but I feel bad for Stuart Skinner. Like he just has to shoulder the blame for, for everything that's going wrong in this series. But the Oilers, like they need more, they need more from all their guys. Do you think there's any chance they play Jack Campbell tonight? No, not absolutely not. If they're throwing Jack Campbell in this series is over. I don't know, man. Like I'm sure that they, they're finding someone to blame, but like, They they found someone to blame and it's the refs. Yeah. Fair. But I don't know, man. I think the Kings are going to win tonight. I really do. I think they're going to go up 3-1. I like it. I mean, I would certainly find that very funny. If the if the Kings can wrap this series up in like five or six, I think that would be hilarious. I still think I still think the Oilers are going to even up this series, and we're destined for seven here. Like This is just such a good series. But either way, I just find it very funny when bad things happen to the Oilers. So yeah, I don't really I do too. I enjoy it way too much. Way too much for my own good. 
and you move on to the series that you're hoping is the closest Minnesota and Dallas Minnesota wins big in game three, five to one to take a two to one series lead. And this was a weird one because the stars, they just had nothing. They were terrible. They were bad bad in that game. They were really bad. Um, And Ottinger didn't look great and they got their asses kicked. I mean, I don't think the wild played a particularly great game. It was just the stars were just absolute dog shit. It was a pretty standard game. Like, I didn't think the Wild were just super dominant or anything like that, but they just, the Stars, for whatever reason, just did not have an answer whatsoever. And apparently Marcus Johansson has turned into like a (laughs) contributor for this team for some reason. And I mean, great games from guys like Zuccarello and Felino. And they started the right goalie this time. They put Philip Gustafson in, and now they're up two to one. I really don't have a ton to say about this game. No, wild kick the shit out of the stars. I expect the stars to bounce back. I think they win tonight. I would or hope this so. Or, the games. Or, yeah. may, or maybe this is how my prediction comes true. The wild go up three to one and they blow it. That'd be very Minnesota of them. But I, I think the stars will bounce back. They could not have played worse in that game. So I, I think the stars bounce back. I think Ottinger's going to have a big game. And I don't know. I mean, somehow Matt Dumba has turned in just like this, like, gritty fucking, like, hit big hit guy like him and mason marchman were going at it like i did not expect that i didn't have that on my bingo card in the series i mean matt dumba's kind of flown under the radar to me as one of the dirtier players in the nhl for the last little bit and kind of starting to see it in this series on a scale a little bit but big win of the wild for their credit and they can defend their home ice and take a 3-1 series lead by the time you're listening to this but we already talked about the abs and the kraken abs are up two to one Six to four win over the Kraken. It's just, I still feel good. I still feel good going into the game four of this series. I do too. I, I think the Avs are going to take care of business on Monday, and we'll be coming on here again to to talk about some good news. I really do. Absolutely. And for everyone that doesn't know, game five will be at seven thirty at Ball Arena. That'll be a very fun one, regardless. And hopefully, the Avs can finish out this series on home ice with a big win in game four but christian unless you've got anything else for us i am ready to wrap this here i got nothing man excellent so thank you all very much for tuning in to another edition of the teledabs it is podcast on the hockey podcast network use promo code teledabs it is on SeatGeek for 20 dollars off your first order of 50 dollars or more if you want to follow us on twitter you can follow me at g young's nhl you can follow christian at christian underscore belay and you can follow the show at tell it as it is but again thank you all so very much for tuning in and we will catch you all next time after game four where hopefully the abs can go up three to one in this series but until then let's go abs baby